Welcome to the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. We come to you weekly from Shilling Speakers Toastmasters Club. An online club with global membership in District 91 in the UK. Welcome to this week's Shilling Speakers podcast. Or are we Shilling Toastmasters podcast? Oh, I think we're Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Welcome back, Paul O'Mahony. As you can tell, we have missed you. Sad news, listeners, is that this week, Pat Caslin can't be with us. However, good news is, as you can tell, Paul, Ma- Paul O'Mahony's real life has settled down a bit and he has joined us again. Paul, great to have you back. Have you had any big thoughts while you've been away? Well, I have a spring in my step after being away. That spring brings me back here. I've had a big experience because I got a gift through the post while I was away. And when I opened it, it was from a good friend of mine who's a member of a club in District 91 and who's also a member of an online club that's in District U, so undistricted. It's a book called Things Fall Apart. In fact, it's part one of a trilogy called the African Trilogy. And it's by Chinua Achebe. I wouldn't expect all the listeners to know who Chinua Achebe is. I certainly didn't. But my good friend is from Nigeria. We had been chatting at the end of a Toastmasters meeting about how little I knew about Nigeria. I'd read one novel. And don't ask me what the name of the novel is. Out of the blue came this book. Okay, that's not so remarkable. And I'm not going to go and summarize the book because I've only read about 10 pages. It's so uh, dense in terms of the words matter. Consequently, it isn't just narrative. But I translated it into Irish English, the very first paragraph, just to give you a bit of an idea. Here's how it goes, Philippa, the first couple of sentences. Felicity was well known throughout the nine villages and even beyond. Her fame rested on solid personal achievements. As a young woman of 18, she had brought honor to her village by throwing Patricia the cat. Patricia was the great wrestler who for seven years was unbeaten from Ballybofay to Tupot House. I'm going to stop. That's the translation into my language, if you like, from the English in the book. The reason I say this is a, an unusual thing is the first time I've ever done it. I've read novels about other countries, other civilizations, other cultures. I've had to make the adjustment to the names of people, which I could barely pronounce, and the names of places I'd never come across before. So suddenly, out of the blue, I got this crazy idea that I would imagine what it would be like if it had been set in Ireland. So what do you think of that first uh, half paragraph of the book, Philippa? How did it come across to you? It was intriguing. Believe it or not, about 42 years ago, I was exploring Europe for the first time. I was in Denmark 
and I'd run out of things to read. So I went into a bookshop on the off chance they got some books in English and Things Fall Apart was about the only choice. So I read that book in my very early 20s. I don't think I appreciated the language the way you've just described it, but yeah, I'm really glad I read it. BBC dramatised some of Chinua Achebe's works and I found them really quite hard work being older. I tuned in to the, uh, oh, they're quite downbeat. No spoilers now, okay? okay? I don't I don't need to know if it's a book about people who go on picnics or people who go to war. I don't need to know. It is a very good book. I'd recommend anybody to read it. You were saying about not knowing how to pronounce things. These days, if I want to read something from a different culture where I'm not familiar with the language, I always look for an audio book. Even if I don't listen to the audio all the way through, it's a great way of picking up the sound of names, the sound of places, and just tuning in a bit, especially if it's read by the author. Just makes well, it I, a bit easier to tune into their world. I was really struck by the first line, you see. I thought, I, I don't, I'm not a regular reader of novels. I usually read about four or five books at the same time, but none of them are novels. So when I translated it into Felicity was well known throughout the nine villages and even beyond, I thought, wow, now I have a landscape in front mm. of me, nine villages and even beyond. The author has said nothing about whether the nine villages are within a radius of 50 miles of each other or whether the nine villages consist of hamlets even. I don't know how big the villages are, but I have to say when it was... Now, okay, the main character is a man. I put it into a woman. I called the person Felicity because I, again, I wanted to just see what it would be like. But... To have the main, well, at least one of the main characters or the first character you meet in the book, having beaten somebody at wrestling and especially somebody who'd never been wrestled to the floor and been on the flat of their back. I, I was, as you say, in, intrigued, hooked. And I thought, I am fascinated by the fact that this is a Nigerian author now I realize that he's much better known than I realized. I just thought he was well known in Nigeria. I thought, well, I'm going to find out what people in Nigeria regard as a good book. Little did I know that Philippa Gray read the book years ago. Thanks to a Copenhagen bookshop owner. Wow. Tell me about yourself while I've been away. Have any thoughts or activities been big in your life in the last week? Yes. They have, however, yesterday I got up at 2 a.m. because it was the longest day of the year and went off to uh, watch the sunrise. I haven't had a single really big or coherent big thought since then. Obviously, I'm still recovering. Uh, I do recommend getting up at 2. It certainly makes the day memorable. We were actually on an organised canal cruise. So we were in a cutting as the sun rose. So we didn't see sunrise until a little bit later, but it was very beautiful, very atmospheric, really enjoyed it. On our way back, we visited the 
what was the home of Gilbert White, who I talked about a few weeks ago. The naturalist lived 1720 to 1793, which are the dates I couldn't remember a couple of weeks ago. I relaxed at his house. He is one of my heroes. Also, while you've been away, Paul, I've talked about Martha Graham. I was inspired by one of her quotes one, one week. And it occurred to me, they're both inspirational. They, I think they could not be more different. Martha Graham was born just over 100 years after Gilbert White died. Gilbert White spent his life in England, basically focused on one village, back to villages. Of course, Martha Graham grew up in the United States. Gilbert White was sociable. Martha Graham was focused and driven. However, I was inspired to get a biography of Martha Graham out of the library a few weeks ago. And yesterday I found a very good biography of Gilbert White. So I have decided I'm going to read these in parallel and explore, see if I can find what they have in common. They must have something in common because they both changed the world. Gilbert White taught us how to look at nature. He's recognized as the first ecologist. Martha Graham rewrote the rules of dance, showed us how to move differently. This is a work in progress. Wow, you have had an interesting week and the idea of reading two biographies at the same time of two people who you recognize as having made a major contribution to civilization or our civilization or some civilization is wonderful. Thank you. Welcome to part two of the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. I'm curious to know what Paul has been up to all the weeks we've uh, managed without him. So I thought I'd share that with you. So Paul, I know you've been on holiday. Would you like to tell us where and a little bit, a little bit about it? Well, I told everyone I was going to Portugal, but actually the truth is I went to Alaska. Now, this is my preparation for a Tall Tales contest. No, I seriously, I went to a family wedding in Limerick. It was the first time I had gone without wearing a mask in two and a half years. So two and a half days later, I tested and I was negative. And my wife tested and she was negative. So we got on a plane from Cork with our daughter. We went to Faro in Portugal and we went to Lagos. And two days later, we tested positive for COVID. Oh, that is so unfair. But at least you got onto holiday. So were you able to enjoy it? What do the Portuguese do when you test positive? Well, I can tell you what the Omanis do. The Omanis stay put in an apartment for several days doing almost nothing. My wife and I had it. Our daughter never tested positive at all, even though she had all the plenty of symptoms. What the rules in Portugal are, I haven't a clue. I didn't bother to try to find out. I just knew that I had to keep away from people until at least I got the result back saying I no longer had it. So how long did that take? Oh, much longer than I wanted it to take. I can tell you, it was about uh, five days since my first, between my first cough and uh, getting it clear. 
I suppose you'd say it was five or six days in all. And since my wife and daughter were only there for nine days of a holiday, I think they would say it was a holiday from hell. There was one really good thing happened on the holiday. Dare I tell you about it? Oh, go on, Paul. Well, my wife and I played golf for the first time in 21 years. The last time we had been on a golf course together was 21 years ago, and we played nine holes in a golf course in a sports complex place west of Lagos. You know what? She was a lot better than I expected. Unbelievable. We both enjoyed it. I can't really believe this. We said we might go on a golf holiday sometime. That sounds good fun and something to look forward to. I don't know what else you want to ask me, um, but I can tell you something. I'm feeling nervous about it because playing nine holes doesn't necessarily mean you'd be getting on well for 18 holes. I'll have to take your word for that. I'm afraid I'm not a golfer, in case you hadn't guessed. It's all right. The idea in golf is that you walk around a field with a club of some sort and you hit a little hard ball into a hole that's quite a long way away in as few shots as you can. Trying to stay in the field of play. I think that's the main thing about golf, isn't it? I believe so. I'm afraid I'm one of the people who think there's some way to ruin a good walk. Have you ever swung a golf club? Yes, I had classes at school. We had to choose a sport. This is in the sixth form when we were old enough to be allowed outside the school gates. So we were sent off to um, explore the world of sport. I'm not sporty and golf seemed the least harmless option. And I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed the classes, but how, how, many, and, uh, how many of your classmates also signed up for the golf? I think there are about half a dozen of us. And were you able to hit the ball? Yes, mostly. Yeah, I'm not very good. I say my swing would have required an awful lot of work. Yes, Tiger Woods said the same thing after he won some of the majors. He said that in order to be able to keep on playing golf, He'd need to do a lot of work on his swing. Right, but I expect he's got the motivation, whereas I never found that motivation. I, I like walking, I like cycling. Would you recommend it? Is it a good walking area around, say, Lag Lagos? I'd say that the best time to go walking in Lagos is probably about November through till April. Certainly, I wouldn't recommend Lagos as a place to go walking now because it's pretty hot. But there's a very long beach in Lagos. So if you're into beach walking in bare feet so that the sand comes up between your toes and so that you can paddle in warm water by the shore, then Lagos is excellent. So you just need a hat, plenty of sun cream because you could even run along in the sand. Are you a sand runner? No, I am not. Um, I run if I have to. I run to catch a bus, but no, I say I'm a walker. One of my favourite things is walking along a beach, looking for the perfect pebble. You've got that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime's walk, searching for the perfect pedal. Mm. 
oh, I said pedal. I mean pebble. Yeah. It's a bit like, you know, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pebbles. If yeah. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pebbles, where is the peck of pickled pebbles Peter Piper picked? By the way, just a little thing I'd recommend our listeners. Get some sun. Whatever about my holiday, and I could, it had ups and downs and ins and outs, but I did get some sun. People have been asking me, how did you get on on holidays? I haven't been saying, oh, poor me, because I actually got to stay on for a total of 15 days. I got over the old COVID and I got some sun. I think it's done me good. It's not just caused me to have a red nose. Listeners, Paul does not have a red nose. Paul is looking good. We will finish the interview there, Paul. Leave a little bit of mystery about your holiday. And that is the end of part two. And now for the soapbox section. Paul Omani is back from his holidays. So we're hoping he's got quite a lot to say. I have a bee in my bonnet. And I tell you what I did. Before I went on holidays, I did something that some people would consider was mad. I, I also belong to the adjacent district, District 71. And I threw my hat in the ring and I became the only candidate to be a division director. So I am about to, probably by the time this uh, episode is heard, but I'm about to be a division director. For the counties of Wexford, Waterford, Kilkenny, Carlow, Leash, Kildare, and West Tipperary, and I hope I haven't left one out. The reason I threw my hat in the ring is that there wasn't any other person up for election. And I thought, well, look, look, we can't leave a delightful chunk of Ireland without a division director. For my sins, I am a division director. And that got me thinking, what is on earth is a division director meant to do? And for that matter, what are district officers meant to do? And for that matter, what is a district meant to do? And that's what my, the bee in my bonnet is about. Because when you look up Toastmasters district mission, and this is not just for District 71, it's District 91, where Schilling is, it's District 59, District 66, every single one, I think there are over 100 districts in the entire planet in Toastmasters. Do, do you know, by the way, I'm not expecting you to know the answer, do you know, uh, Philippa, what the district mission is, off the top of your head? No. See, I, yeah. I don't pull. Yeah. Not only do you not know it, but when I first was asked that question a couple of years ago at a meeting by a visiting dignitary from America who came along to District 71 and said, what is the district mission? I didn't know. And I was a district officer. And I thought, oh, my God, what is it? What is it? And it turns out that the district mission for every single Toastmasters district in the world begins with the words, with the word, build new clubs. That's the first three words, build new clubs and support, I think it's all existing clubs to achieve excellence. And 
I'll never forget the effect it had on me that day. I went, oh my goodness, I've been doing the wrong thing all along as a, and I was a division director at the time in District uh, 71, and I'd been an area director. I thought, oh my God, I've been doing all the wrong thing. I've been spending about 90% of my time on supporting existing clubs to achieve excellence. I've been providing district officer training or club officer training. I've been helping with speech contests. I've been visiting clubs, or none of which have anything to do with setting up new clubs, have they? So I thought, I'm spending 90% of my time supporting existing clubs or all clubs to achieve excellence. I said, I don't even know how much time I should spend trying to build new clubs. So the bee I have in my bonnet is there because this Saturday, in a few days time, I'm going to go along to district officer training. And I'm saying to myself, what are we going to cover in district officer training? And when I looked at the agenda for the training, do you have any idea how much time is on the agenda that has to do with building new clubs? Would you care to guess? Please don't guess. It's almost embarrassing. Please don't guess. And I wonder what happens in district, what happened in District 91, which has already had district officer training. And I wonder what's happening in Toastmasters all around the world. How much time? If there are two things in the district mission, build new clubs and support clubs to achieve excellence. Wouldn't you kind of think that about 50% of the training time would be spent on learning stuff to do with building new clubs? And wouldn't you expect that about 50% of a district officer's time during the year of whatever time they're willing to give as a volunteer would be spent building new clubs? And that's the bee I have in my bonnet because it isn't anything like 50%. I'd be embarrassed to tell you how much time, so I won't tell you. I couldn't tell the listeners. It just wouldn't be fair because I also don't know to what extent other districts in the world. And this is while we have a declining membership, while the number of uh, clubs we have is fewer than the number we had last year. So that is that is my soapbox. Uh, uh, that's all I, I want to spout about. What what do you think, Philip? Uh, have you ever been interested in setting up a new club? Well, Paul, I joined Toastmasters. I was the first person to sign, sign up to a brand new club about shilling speakers. So I've seen from the start how hard it is to get things going. I learned something last week from a friend who's not currently active in Toastmasters, but she's one of the people who persuaded me that I really should join. She talked about spinning up the flywheel. Any new activity or new organization, you've got to put some effort into getting that flywheel moving. As you know, it's really hard work. You have to keep pushing, but eventually the flywheel will build up a bit of momentum and it will keep going for a long time with very little effort after that. So that is a great metaphor. Uh, for life, really, if you want to do something new, you've really got to put, expect to put a lot of effort in at the first, which sounds obvious, 
but it doesn't feel it when you're actually doing something new, which I do far too often. You think you're doing something wrong because it is such hard work. My answer to your questions, Paul, is as of last week, I think you should have a lot of training about doing new things, building new clubs, and probably expect to put in more than half of your time if you really want to make that happen. Now, one thing that was missing from what you said, and I think is a vital role of any management, is understanding when something has run its course, advising clubs that are on the way down, that really, rather than keep struggling on, which is such hard work, they ought to think about probably merging with another club. They ought to start looking at, if they think they're doing everything right, and they think that they will get support from their local or virtual community in due course, then keep going. But I think it's a vital role to advise people when to stop, because again, it's something we are all bad at. Having made a commitment, we keep going and keep going, and we don't want to cut our losses. Well, that's a terrific new topic for us to bring into a future episode. That is what I do in situations where clubs are very weak, uh, let's say. And uh, here am I talking about having a bee in my bonnet, about setting up brand new clubs. And I take your advice that I should be spending more than 50% of my time. And I presume by extension that the four area directors who I'll be working with and their teams, that we should collectively spend more than 50% of our time on setting up new clubs. That's going to be some flywheel. That's the end of this week's podcast. Thank you to Paul Omani. We have missed you. It's great that you're back. Goodbye from me, Philippa Gray. And a big thank you to Philippa Gray. What a pleasure it is to be back. That's it for today from the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share with your friends.